The Wicked Smart Sports Guys is brought to you by CellMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. CellMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-alkaline lithium and button cell batteries. CellMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, CellMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, game controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, CellMax is the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of Ultra Alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices, at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON, that's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase at checkout, and save 20% off those already low prices. Once again, that's coupon code BOSTON at checkout, all uppercase, and save big today. Sumaxbatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. This week, we're joined by Severin Levenstein, one of our writers over at Guy Boston Sports. Severin, this serves as kind of a, a bookending of appearances for you because I remember we talked to you on this podcast way back at the beginning of the baseball season, and now here we are at the end, uh, heading into the World Series, that dare I say, might actually just have a little bit of juice Yeah, to good to be with you, KJ. Exactly, that bookend. I was there at the beginning, there for that uh, trade deadline talk, and here for the end. So nice to wrap things up. And yeah, we got ourselves a nice little playoffs and a nice little World Series that, like you said, might have some juice. I'm excited. So uh, before we get started, do you have any immediate thoughts heading into this series about the Dodgers, the Rays, whatever it may be? Well, my immediate thought, and, and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but I- I'm a little bummed that we don't get the Astros versus the Dodgers. I mean, how great of a story would that be? But really, other than that, I think my immediate thought is that these two teams, in my opinion, could not be more different with the ways that they were built. You've got sort of that overused cliche of money ball with the Rays, and you've got the best team that money can buy in the Dodgers, which I think is a great philosophical matchup that should be key in on but I think you also still have enough of a a storyline with all of the great players I mean whether or not their contracts line up I think you have some really good players on both sides and it should be pretty even I think that's one thing that too is, is a little surprising to some people is just how even this matchup could be whether it's pitching whether it's hitting defense all around it should be a good quality series in that department yeah it's kind of the David versus Goliath thing as you talked about so you're right that that it does help it does help in terms of the interest that you have the big bad Dodgers versus the little scrappy Rays and and see what's going to happen there um and you're right we'll get to the Astros a bit later but from a Boston perspective I, I think there are two big things that stand out the first one is obvious and Mookie Betts I mean and I'll preface this by saying maybe pump the brakes people on giving Mookie Betts too much credit for this Dodgers run because it wasn't like Mookie Betts was traded to the Pirates or something here you know I'm sure you're seeing it a lot on Twitter too of Mookie Betts heading back to the World Series and that kind of you know and people talking about Betts is this oh well the Red Sox and the Red Sox had this horrible season and Mookie Betts is going back to the World Series with Dodgers like it's Mookie Betts wasn't traded to some horrible teams the, the, the Dodgers were favorites to win the World Series before they got Mookie Betts if you go back to last October and I did if you go back to at the end of last World Series the Yankees and the Dodgers were tied at 6-1 to one odds to win the 2020 World Series. Obviously, it's, it's not the 2020 World Series we thought we were going to get. It looks a lot different. But the fact is that the Dodgers were a really good team all along. So 
Mookie by no means carried this team to where they are today. And we can get to into his NLCS numbers too if you want. But but even besides that, you know, it's not like Mookie Betts was was going to some team that, that wasn't already capable of this. You know, he got to a good team. He went in a good situation. And he's honestly more of a sidecar than a, a direct guy that, that, that really led them there. There was some, some other guys that made more key plays than he did, though the catch was great. But, but the overall thought is, the optics at the end of the day and the stark contrast uh, to the, of the season Mookie is having, winning-wise at least, and the season the Red Sox uh, had isn't good for if you're John Henry or Sam Kennedy. Well, I mean, look, uh, no full disclosure here, I'm a Mookie guy, always have been, probably to some degree always will be. I don't know if I'm going to go as far to call him a sidecar, but I think, you know, really when you look at what he gave this Dodgers team, they needed a guy to, to push them over the hump. And I know you can say, well, he's still underperforming in the playoffs just as usual. And I would sort of disagree only to the point with such a short season, you needed someone to provide a spark and provide it quickly. And, and I'm ready for the numbers that you're going to give me out here in a second. I bet about his, uh, his postseason numbers, but I mean, even if you just look in what averages out for this shortened season, he's hitting about on par with what he normally does with his batting average, 292 versus what was in for a full season last year, 295, which is really one of his lower marks. Uh, and then again, with, with RBIs, it's half of what it normally w- would be sitting around that 80 mark normally. It's at about 40. And again, you can adjust for the different games and what have you, but the Dodgers needed a guy to be consistently good. It's even more than above average. It's that one tick above good, a very good player. And even in this postseason, when you're not seeing him hit as well as he can, he's providing defensively. And that's a problem we talk about a lot with the Red Sox is it sometimes seems like their players really are all or nothing. You get it all on defense or you get it all on offense. And you look for more of those Xander Bogarts guys who can do it in each department. To me, I'm still stuck on this. This is a guy that you draft and wait to get a Mookie Betts. You, you throw all your chips into the future to find this guy. And there's just no scenario to me where you move on from him. I think the Dodgers feel very lucky they have him, even if he's not performing at his highest level right now. Well, I wasn't going to give you the numbers, but if you really want him, I can give them to you. I think uh, going into, I think game six was, because he did pick it up here at the end of the series, but 0 for 4 in game one, 1 for 3 in game two, 1 for 3 in game six, 0 for 4 in game four. So going, and then game, you know, and, and you got to give him credit because game five, uh, six and seven, he started playing well, and he, you know, so he he was a cop part. I wouldn't say that the main factor, and, and I wasn't saying he was totally a sidecar, something more approaching it than a leader. I, I was just kind of inferring there, but um, you know, his his numbers early on in that series weren't good. People were mocking him, and and you know, you got to give him credit because he he kind of picked it up. I'm, I'm I'm by no means bashing Mookie Betts. I'm just pointing out that. Well, you know, while you're all saying, well, look at what Mookie's doing with the Dodgers, recognize it's maybe more about the Dodgers than it is about Mookie. Now, now theoretically, this shouldn't bother the Red Sox, this talk. You know, with, with them and Mookie over the last year, it's never really been about optics for them the whole time. I mean, it, it, they've, they've certainly cared about it to an extent, but the move itself, you know, it, everyone else is the one that, that's caring about optics. But it, they, if they wanted to just win the PR game, you just let them walk in free agency instead of trading them away and put the onus on him. You lie, you say you offered him a contract and he didn't want to stay here and you do what all teams do. And, and it's much easier to make that argument when they've, you know, when he just walks in free agency rather than when you actively traded him away. You know, they're, they're trying to make that argument now. But it's a little harder to do so given the way things worked out. Much easier to do it if he just signed with the Dodgers or, you know, away and ended it himself. It's, you know, it kind of puts it on him rather than on the team. So that's kind of their problem is they care about it, but the move, they care about the PR game, but the move itself wasn't really about the PR. So if they just stood by the power of their convictions, they would have been much better off for it. 
But, I mean, never, nevertheless, you've seen this narrative growing. People on Twitter are, are re- rehashing this kind of Mookie Betts trade now that he's going to be on the biggest stage the MLB has to offer. And if he has a good series to boot, you know, it's just it's not going to look good for the team. Yeah, no, I, I understand that completely. And I think, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy where you had to get something for him. And, and I think when you when you look at the PR aspect of things, there's a lot of areas where it could conceivably have gone wrong. I, I don't blame them for needing to execute the trade if they felt like it had gotten to that point. My issue is more making sure that the the relationship between the player and the Red Sox had gotten to that point. Because remember, for all of the, the talk that the, the teams were so far apart, or excuse me, yeah, the, the bet side and the Red Sox were so far apart, I think the AAV at the end of his contract ended up only being a difference of about $50 million, which in baseball is really not that much. But I digress. I think the point is I'm still within the mindset of, you know, Jeter Downs better turn into something and you better get, you know, as much as you possibly can out of this trade. And I think that you still need that, even though bets left and and there, you might think there wasn't a whole lot that they could have done, uh, you know, to to do even better. You saw, for instance, how uh, Brewstar Greaterall didn't look so hot in his last time out. But, you know, I, I still come back to the fact that bets is a guy who just whether you're talking personality, whether you're talking production, whether you're talking just even what he meant to, to Boston with some of those big moments. I mean, who's going to forget X-Call with that, that home run at Fenway? It's just, that was a guy you keep. And I still think that with this trade, you know, we're going to be looking at it for a couple of years to, to go now. They've got to get something for him. Yeah, I mean, things don't change from a team perspective, from a tangible, logical perspective, no matter what happens in this series, right? Either way, whether Mookie's good or bad, you still need Jeter Downs to turn into something. You still need Alex Verdugo to be good. Those things remain the same no matter what. But from a fan and emotional perspective, if Mookie does well, if you see Mookie winning with another team, if he succeeds elsewhere and turns into really what what it is that you turn into when you become a player who is a star and MVP who wins with both two different teams, two large markets in Boston and LA, you become this larger-than-life person. And if Mookie does that, then things do change for the fans who were already upset about it. It just empowers them even more, and it becomes this kind of decision that's already viewed negatively it takes it to that next level and wow you really gave up a player that is not just you know not just as good as we thought he was but transcendent and generational perhaps and I think a big thing in trading Mookie Betts was the Red Sox belief and the narrative that grew out there that well Mookie Betts isn't going to be this good for much longer right he's going to fall off people comparing him to the likes of Jacoby Ellsbury or Andrew McCutcheon or these center fielders that had, you know, great, uh, the outfielders at least, that had great kind of runs there and then tailed off later in their career. And, of course, this is one-year sample size, so things could certainly change down the road. But the idea here is that Mookie Betts having this kind of run just in the short term is going to upset fans and, and you know, even more than they already were. And I don't know what that looks like, really, because... Fans are obviously already upset. Viewership already is obviously down for the Red Sox. Interest is obviously already down. So how much more can change from that perspective? I don't know. But you're going to catch a lot of heat online for it. So that's that's really the the, the crux of the issue for the Red Sox. And should, will they care about that? Yes. But it's interesting because, like I said, there's there's two different sides of the team. There's the PR department, which is desperately trying to tell you that, you know, they tried everything they could with Moogie Betts and, you know, they're tr- trying to make the best of that situation. And there's the team department that is operating as if they don't really care and they're doing what they do. So really the main thing here is the Red Sox are going to be proven right or wrong about trading Moogie Betts and, you know, the Red- the Dodgers are going to be proven right and wrong or paying him. And, I mean, this is a long-term kind of issue here, but in the short term the, the returns are suggesting that 
uh, the Red Sox made a massive mistake. And and just as as we continue to see the results of this trade, I mean, the Red Sox are going to continue to either get heat for it or maybe some forgiveness from fans and, and down the road, but certainly not this year. Yeah, but I mean, like, look, if, if you're a Red Sox fan and you're believing everything that the PR department is telling you, I mean, I've got nothing for you. I just, at this point... I think there were so many for for the for the Red Sox fans who are, are on either side of this Mookie debacle, if you will. I, I think you're pretty set in your camp. You're either you know like me, who's who's thinking that it's just going to be the wrong move to get rid of Mookie, no matter what, no matter how the situation was behind closed doors, or you're firmly with the Red Sox and everything's great and, and they they couldn't do any wrong and they made the right decision and the 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 issue had, had gotten to the point where they just couldn't keep him and that's I think you're going to be pretty set there but I I don't really think that if you're really looking at this situation and you want to be critical of it that you can say well it was just at the point of of the trade and that's where the issue for the Red Sox is I mean you've got all of the 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 kind of mentality of trying to cut payroll you've got the mentality of trying to figure out which stars you're going to keep, how's the pitching going to look, and, and so much more that that went into the team and then the ultimate decision to trade Mookie that you really can't just look at that specific trade and say, oh, well, that's where, where it went wrong or that's their only misstep. I mean, just just look around the, the rest of the, the roster. I mean, we were saying at this point, sort of at the beginning of the season, I guess, or even at this point at the end of the year, well, they're only a couple pitchers away and they're fine and that's why they, they didn't deal him a deadline earlier or, you know, once Chris Sale comes back and, and they didn't even tell you about his elbow injury and and they didn't even manage him correctly until he goes and and gets Tommy John finally so it's look that's one specific example but I think in order to really dissect this Mookie trade you have to look at how we got there and to me I still don't change my opinion on I think the trade was bad and I think the decisions leading up to needing to facilitate the trade were also bad. And and taking it back to the World Series just to kind of taking away from the Red Sox and closing the loop on Mookie, you know, while the Dodgers haven't played the Rays much, Mookie has, you know, in his career. Mookie is very familiar with the Rays having played in the AL East for the majority of his career. Now, you know, he has he has a 3.10 batting average against the Rays and a, a 5.06 career slugging percentage which you know, it's nothing special for Mookie, but it's certainly a big big improvement on his postseason numbers, a significant one at least, you know, that maybe slightly lower than what you're expecting from an MVP. But if, if you want to get more specific, 300 batting average against Charlie Morton, 304 against Blake Snell, and, you know, those are high-level pitchers. So those numbers are pretty good against those guys. So I mean, you have to wonder at least a little bit if that familiarity is going to benefit him in this series specifically. And perhaps lead to a situation where he has an advantage that other Dodgers hitters don't, and maybe he does have a, a bit of a, a lead in, in the race for the MVP of the series. Yeah, maybe. I just think at this point with, you know, a COVID-shortened season and with these two teams going this far in the playoffs, and I don't know if it's going to really present that much of a significant advantage, but hey, who knows? I mean, especially, too, you know, you look at the emergence of a guy like Tyler Glass now, and, and how well is that going to help Mookie if he's going against it? Uh, you know, it could happen, sure. I, I certainly am hoping maybe it'll give him a little bit of an edge so we see more of the real Mookie bets in the postseason. But my honest opinion is at this point, I don't think there's really any uh, massive advantage, I should say, because there is a little bit, but I don't think there's any massive advantage uh, to kind of having the Rays being a former division rival and seeing them a little bit more than the Dodgers normally do. We'll see. So moving on a little bit, the the other big storyline I like is the Tampa Bay year in sports because we we talked about the heat the Red Sox will catch if the Dodgers win. If the Rays win, 
there's going to be a lot of pressure on Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl because suddenly the Tampa Bay team that everyone thought had the best chance to win a championship will be the only one not to have won over the last year here. And that's good stuff. So if there wasn't already enough pressure on Tom Brady to win in Tampa, this just adds another layer to it besides the fact that can he prove it without Belichick? Can he prove it at age 43? Now can he, can he keep up with what's going on around him? And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of that, you know, the stuff of, oh, Brady, you know, is he goes to Tampa and they start winning, and, you know, how much is he responsible for that? And it's kind of the opposite of what I'm talking about because I'm talking about the, the heat he's going to catch. I think that's a little silly. You know, I, I think the pressure aspect has a lot more validity to it, and that's the one I like. Yeah, I mean, you talked about a, a good year for Tampa. I'm certainly not enjoying it. And I see you, too, on Twitter. You love to give it back to the people when you're you're talking about the, the Bradyites and everybody who's who's ready to, you know, just throw in the towel for the Patriots. I, I, I love that. But, uh, no, I... I Ugh, man, watching, watching, for example, last weekend when we had to see Brady and Rodgers go at it and Brady just absolutely win the top of that one in addition to just the epic proportions of the failure against Denver. I know it's a little out of what you're talking about here, but just overall for Tampa, I mean, how much are we going to have to see this potentially maybe the end for Chara at the hands of the Lightning and, you know, the Rays win get get to go all the way to the World Series when in a year where the Red Sox really you know shouldn't have been as bad as they were. It's uh yeah, I, I tweeted earlier uh in the year I think that uh there was clearly some perceived slight uh by Boston from Tampa Bay and, and so now they're they're just exacting their revenge. Uh and it's it's not fun. It's painful to me every time I gotta see Brady suit up. It's painful every time I gotta see images of the Tampa Bay Lightning with hoisting that Stanley Cup. So yeah, it's, it's not a fun year to be watching Tampa Bay sports, at least from the Boston perspective, that's for sure. Yeah, and you know what? I'm about to tweet this out because you reminded me of this take that I have and, and talking about my Twitter, which uh, just really quickly to, to actually go on a tangent for a second because you bring this up. You tweet out one joke about filling out an application for a Tampa Bay Buccaneers bandwagon form, and you get all these 40-plus-year-olds in your mention saying, we don't need you, good riddance, like, I get it, I wasn't around for the, you know, Steve Grogan Patriots or whatever, like, I get it, you were through the bad times, and now the bad times are back, and, you know, oh, I'm, I'm ungrateful, like, grateful, and you're the, whatever, I I'm joking, it was a joke, and I, you know, whatever, but anyway, I, I am going to tweet out now, because you remind me of this, this take that I, I've had uh, for a while now, and now this, with the Rays winning the World Series, it really val uh, validates it, it's like, you know, all these Florida teams winning, is anyone going to maybe mention the fact that, hey, all of a sudden there aren't fans around and now Florida teams are doing well? Maybe it has something to do with the fact that Florida might not have the best fans. Like, is that is that something we could talk about for a second? Because, uh, you know, I, I, I think that there's a little bit of, a, you know, cause and effect there. Like, the Heat make the championship as a, improbable as a five seed. Lightning win the finally breakthrough, win the Cup, and now the Rays are in the World Series. Like, Mm, there's some sort of uh, I have a little bit of a suspicion there that maybe this has something to do we, we've been talking for years about how the Rays can't fill out their stadium and Florida fans you know they're, they're kind of uh, wishy-washiness and and I mean this whole bubble situation or bubbles and no fans whatever else not doing a lot of good for the for this uh, the reputation of Florida fans out there I don't I don't know if you want to touch on that but that's that's what stands out to me right now about those situations yeah I think that's that's such a good take it's it's really ordinarily if it was like one or two you you might not totally consider that but yeah I totally forgot about Miami as well that's uh it might say something about the Florida fans that or you've seen the popular sort of thing where 
when it came to the Rays that that, uh, that the team was used to playing without fans, and that's why they've done so well in the bubble. So I think there's, that take definitely has legs. And with the, the Tampa Bay Lightning and their issues with choking, not having any fans there to, to feed off the energy, whether it's negative or positive, I totally see that, and I, I concur. All right, well, now before we wrap things up, I have to ask, do you think this series would have been better if it had we had the Astros here? Because I just think, I mean, the drama that they would have brought is something baseball desperately needed. I, I don't know if you care about the morality of it at the end of the day, but the Astros are just more interesting. And that's what's really important when you're talking about stuff like viewership and marketability. It's about interest. And I, I know the Astros, maybe uh, people don't like, you know, the cheating scandal is what it is. But if they were involved and they were playing the Dodgers again, who were obviously so vocal and wanted their, you know, some people wanted the Dodgers to be credited with the championship instead of the Astros. And, you know, I, I don't know where you stand on all that stuff. But as as far as what the actual series would have been like if these two were messed up, I just think it would have been so good. I mean, would you have preferred to see the Astros in this series? In a word, yes. I mean, I, I cannot t- claim to take ownership of this idea because it's, it's been said so much, but, oh man, how good would that have been? Dodgers, Astros again, and it would have been even better if the Astros ended up winning. Oh my goodness, we'd never hear the end of it from the Astros, the Dodgers would be, you know, the fans, the media would just be crying again about how it was unfair. And the, the funny part is too, you can, you can split this either way and just say for the team that, you know, the, the team that wins or the team that loses, well, it didn't matter because it's a, a COVID shortened season, but oh, with the Dodgers and the Astros, that would have been so great. And I think that was a storyline just overall that we were really robbed of this year with you know, barring a global pandemic, that was going to be the main storyline, really, I would say, through baseball, but also really throughout sports. I wanted to see that. I think a couple more people are really going to tune into baseball, and then the sports world got oversaturated and what have you. But, oh my goodness, that would have been such a great story. And the problem, too, is is you had the, the, the people throwing at each other, and you had some mound cl- uh, charging and some benches clearing, and it didn't really matter, but oh, Dodgers and Astros in the World Series would have been fantastic. Yeah, and you can't get that in the World Series. You can't just be giving away base runners in the World Series. So it would have been interesting to see how that would have culminated. And of course, we get that we have, you know, besides just the fact that they faced off in the World Series and all this stuff. I mean, the Joe Kelly thing at the beginning of the season where Joe Kelly threw at them and then he got suspended. He made that face that's going around like now that's a meme and everything like that. You, that just would have been fantastic. But you know, I, I will say I think interest level in this series is there. I mean. You know, I, I mean, I, at least in this market, we talked about the Tampa Bay aspect, the Moogie Betts aspect. I, I think generally across the country it should be there. And, and, you know, the Game 7s in the championship series, those are a big reason why. It's hard not to tune in for a Game 7 in any sport, and, and those served as kind of a great precursor to the World Series. You know, I think on paper it should be, especially when you look at the fact that the NBA and NHL postseasons are now over and really only, in air quotes, they're they're competing with football. But I don't know, because, look, personally, yes, I'll be watching. I think it's a compelling storyline, as I said at the top of the show, but I don't know. I've seen some stories that project uh, viewership losses close to 20%. Uh, you saw, I just, in my own experience, I had a couple of people that I was around for the, the divisional series, in the sorry, the championship series, that didn't even know that the games were on specifically even for Game 7. So, you know, I don't know, maybe that's my little bubble where I am, but uh, I would love for it to be kind of more popular I think it should be but I just don't know and this whole thing has been so weird and and every sport really is hemorrhaging money but baseball in particular so as much as I would love it to be I just I have doubts about whether or not this will be as widely publicized as in years past well I think they should get the Boston market at least for the reasons we mentioned and I, I mean it's not as bad as it could have been certainly Astros Dodgers would have been the best 
But if it was Braves Rays, I mean, you are looking at an absolute disaster. Like, that would have gotten nothing. And, and maybe that inclines you maybe to say, did, did I mean, the Dodgers were down 3-1, the Astros were down 3-0, did the NFL or did the MLB manufacture anything to maybe avoid a Braves Rays series? I, I don't think so. I I didn't pick up on anything happening that was too nefarious in either of these series. But I just will say if if it was Braves Rays, boy would that those numbers have would have been brutal. I will tell you that much. But uh, last question here before we before we end things with the 60 game season. We we've talked a lot about this stuff already. 60 game season, the changed up playoff format, lack of fans, everything that made this season what it was and different. Is is this in your mind a legitimate champion? Will you look back on this season and you know the record books and you go down the list of champions every year, you scroll through who who won the last few championships in the league and you see Rays or Dodgers in next to 2020. Will you recognize whichever one of those teams uh, comes out on top as a legitimate champion without an asterisk? No, I, I won't. Because I just think in the grand scale of, of the MLB season, what, what is it? The losing, uh, I forget what the specific stat is, but it's something like losing a week equals a, a crazy amount of games. It, it's like something like 13 wins. or, or No, it was every single win, I think, adds up to like 13. I, I don't have that exact stat in front of me, so I won't. Uh, continue any further but just the the amount of games that they they didn't play this season is ridiculous and then they had to reschedule double headers left right and center you had some just really weird um scheduling conflicts you had i just it, it was way too different and and then this half weird bubble towards the end and then the dodgers really don't have to go through the same kind of uh you know atmosphere and the same kind of treatment from different markets there's no home road travel for the, the this final, uh, what is it, DSCS and the World Series. Uh, they all go off to their little semi-bubbles there. No, I, I won't. And, and, you know, good for the team that wins. They had to go through a fair amount of adversity. But let's say, you know, you look at it like any any other sport and there's going to be that little asterisk of, oh, yeah, that was the COVID year. That's just the natural progression of things. That's the natural way we're going to think about it. Uh, sort of re- really comparable to a strike short- shortened season or anything like that. But I think it's pretty obvious to anybody else. And I, th- I think, frankly, this might be a little bit of a strong take, but I think anybody who doesn't think so is really kidding themselves. You're all going to look back at this year and really say, well, that was the COVID year. And for better or worse, that's what's going to be placed next to the name of whoever wins this World Series. Yeah. And, and you know, there are so many reasons why that shouldn't be the case to me, because the Rays and the Dodgers, they were both the best teams, and, and they were both legitimately good teams. You know, not neither of these teams is a team that you look at and say, well, that, that I mean, maybe the, the Rays a little bit, but, the, I mean, they were the best, they had the best record in the AL over 60 games. And even if the season was a, a longer season, that team has, still has a really great chance of making the playoffs. And the, the way they performed in the regular season, like, you have to say, that team probably would have made the postseason. And we know the, how good the Dodgers are. They've proven it beyond just this year. So we know the Dodgers, you know, they would have been here or close to here at the end anyway. So these teams are both really good. I think they're, they're valid. They would have been serious World Series contenders in a normal year. So if they had gotten here in a normal year and they'd won it, then I would say absolutely. And I, that inclines me to say, you know what, I should say absolutely here. But, I mean, when I do look on it and I do see 2020, I'm just going to think, I'm gonna I'm gonna view it differently, and I'll give the teams their credit for winning. I won't say that you didn't really win. I won't be someone like that. Oh, you, you don't deserve the ring or whatever. I'll, I'll I'll give them the ring. I'll give them the credit. But when I look at it, it's gonna be a little different. I'm gonna think of it differently, and that, that's just the fact of the matter. And I think that's the case with all these championships. We we want to value the, the same, value them the same, 
and maybe they should be, but we're, we're all just going to look at it in a little bit differently and say, oh, yeah, that, wasn't, that was that year. And, I mean, that does change how you view the championship, whether you want to say it or not. It just it changes the way it's recognized. Yeah, that's my main point. And I really I hope it is just isolated to one year because pretty soon in a couple months we're going to have the start of some other leagues, and I really hope that we don't have that for more than just one season. But I think, sadly, that is the reality of the situation. Whether you believe it's legitimate or not, you're going to look at it and say, yep, it was that year. All right, well, Severin, thank you for joining us so much to preview the World Series. should be a good one. I'm actually really excited for it. Guys, you can go follow Severin on Twitter at Severin underscore L. And once again, Severin, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and guessing for a few MLB appearances this year. Yeah, absolutely, KJ. Always love it. It was a blast. Promise to get you on for an NFL one. I, I, even though we did talk about Tom Brady here a little bit in the Buccaneers, we'll get you on for, for an NFL one before the end of the regular season. Guys, you can follow me on Twitter at ByKJDoyle. Follow the pod on Twitter at SmartPod. And we will be back later this week with an episode on the Patriots and ongoings. This week with the team and the current state of the team, we're going to talk about that. But thank you guys for listening to this one. Keep an eye out for that one. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports, and we'll see you next week.